Progress Portland podcast. I'm Tim Halber. I'm Kip Silverman. We are here. This is our inaugural podcast. And in order to kick things off, we we're planning on having a, an array of different guests that are hopefully candidates running for city council for next year, people tied to the political scene locally here in Portland. Uh, but we thought just to kick things off, we would introduce ourselves and give you a sense of what to expect. Absolutely. And uh, I'm here nodding, agreeing with you, realizing that this is that there's no video. That's right. So, Kip, I met you uh, through my partner, Modavio. Uh, and a phenomenal writer. Before I was moving up here, and I was really curious, um, I moved here about a year ago now. I've been pretty politically involved since Black Lives Matter, uh, like a lot of people in Los Angeles, and I wanted to get a better sense of how things were in Portland before I moved. Um, and Mo gave me your name. So tell me a little bit more about, or tell our audience, because I, I know some of this, but tell me more about your political background here. Absolutely. And yeah, no, I was really grateful that when I said, yeah, I've got many, many hours of things to inform you on, you were like, yeah, okay, let's do this. So I really appreciate you listening to me. Yeah, I've been in Portland. I moved here uh, almost 25 years ago. I fell in love with the city immediately and also realized very early on that of all the cities I've lived in, and I grew up outside of New York, lived in Boston, Atlanta, Columbus, Ohio, Las Vegas, even Folsom, California for a little while, the city, not the prison, um, that out of all the places I've lived, Portland had the most potential to role model being what most of us want to see in the city. Something thriving where people can live equitably and affordably and a thriving art scene and food scene and great things to do. And very quickly learned that while Portland had a lot of those aspects to it, that there was already a huge racial inequity, fiscal inequity, and already livability challenges. Around 2011, I uh, started getting involved with people who were involved with the Occupy movement. Mm -hmm. And that was uh, an eye-opener for me. I started learning how City Hall really worked and local politics and why things are broken. And the Occupy Portland movement started serving food in Chapman and Lonsdale Parks uh, three times a day. Uh, they went very quickly in the first week to serving 500 meals three times a day. That's amazing. People yeah. showing up from all over the city because the services they needed weren't happening elsewhere. I was like, why? We have a great tax base. People complain about their housing taxes and everything else. Why aren't we doing better? And I started getting involved in politics around the unhoused and food security and equity. And the more and more I learned, the more I realized that we really need as much action as possible from as many sides as possible to make a difference. And I've been passionate about that ever since and willing to sit down and talk and work with anybody from any aspect of things, uh, as long as they're bringing something positive to the table and have some ideas on how to make things different. I briefly worked in City Hall, which should have been a dream job and quickly turned into a nightmare. 
But my four or five months in the city hall space taught me why the city of Portland doesn't work and how charter reform is absolutely required to make it work. And I started fighting for that in 2016. And lo and behold, as of last year, it became a reality. So this is really important to me right now to do this because this is our opportunity to see the city that most of the people I've been living with here over these quarter century um, to make it the city we want it to be, get real smart, thoughtful people in office who are going to do good things for the vast majority of people and get out of this mode of having five little royals that are all fighting for their piece of the kingdom and to stay in power. Absolutely. Yeah. One thing you said to me recently that really struck me was that it seemed like for some reason, Portland is a very progressive town. And we should probably dig into the word progressive at some point because (laughs) it's kind of the new catchphrase and, and it has to bear a lot of load. But even though there's a very progressive element here, most of the people here have a certain progressive point of view, we've ended up with, partly because of the system, but somehow who is electable seem to be fairly moderate to conservative in in the democratic realm. So there seems to be a really strong opportunity here now, since there will be more city council members. For those of you who aren't on top of all of this, we should also back up and talk about that, that with the charter reform, we would have a new election coming in November 2024, which will turn our system of five people that uh, represent the entire city right. uh, to a district system where we'll have 12 new city councilors. Yeah, so, yeah. So. Four, four districts with three elected officials from each district, plus a mayor who will break ties if they happen in city council. But... The mayor does not get to vote like uh, the mayor currently does, and the mayor will not have veto power, except for Rene Gonzalez wants to get city council to put that on, on the ballot after backing off of the other reforms that he wanted to put in place to go against the will of the people. So here we are, two middle-aged white guys. We, we realize that that is our own limitation here, and we're definitely going to bring in as many uh, diverse voices as possible. And our goal here really is to help uh, elevate those voices and get them elected. We want to support new voices, progressive voices, and some real change here in the city. Absolutely. And uh, I'll say I'm super excited that you're doing this with me because you're lived experience and coming from Southern California and the knowledge and things that you're bringing to the table. Plus, Tim's just a super smart dude and really cares about things. And I just really appreciate that in you. So um, I'm excited to see what we can do, the people we can bring into the conversations. And hopefully folks will dig what we're doing and we can get more and more people listening and involved. As Tim mentioned, I've had, over the years, being pretty vocal in the community, I've had a couple people approach me and say, wow, you really know what's going on. You should run. And I'm like, no one needs another middle-aged white dude in office, right? I would much rather back people and help people out that have a, a different lived experience than I do, that are generally not heard above the din. There's so many people far more qualified and smarter than I am 
to uh, move into office. So I'm really looking forward to bringing people into the fold and see how we can help out, hopefully. Yeah. And another part of that I feel like is important in terms of diversity is we're building a platform. We have some certain ideas of how things could be improved in the city, but we don't want to put together a platform that's like, this is what we think. We're really trying to bring in all kinds of different people, all kinds of different nonprofits, organizations, and see what they have to say. They're the experts. The idea here with the platform is to really get the best ideas that we can get that end up getting buried in politics and corporate money and all of the things that water down the best viewpoints. And hopefully we can get some people behind those platforms. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I I think that's the key to all of this is understand who's out there, who has some core values that hopefully anybody listening to this agrees with and find candidates that support that and have the best minds come together to build that platform and see what Portland can be when it really is a democratically elected electorate with smart legislators that have the best interests of the people involved. We're not going to keep you too long today because it's just us gabbing. We're going to get a lot of great interviews on here. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Hello, Portland. I am Daniel Lyman, and I am the host of a brand new podcast called People of Portland. People of Portland is an in-depth interview podcast where we get to know the people that make our amazing city the great place that it is. I will be talking to artists, politicians, musicians, chefs, comedians, drag queens, business owners, writers, and every Portland weirdo that I possibly can. See if you can recognize this famous Portland weirdo from one of our first episodes. What I do, I, I'm not, I, I don't do traditional bagpiping gigs so much. And, you know, I, I don't fit in with the, the unicyclers so much. And it's just sort of my own category of things. To hear these episodes and more, make sure to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, so we're back. Once again, this is Kip. This is Tim. Uh, Tim, why don't you share um, some of the things you've shared with me about what you're hoping to achieve through all of this and your impression of the Portland scene so far? Sure. Yeah. One of the things that struck me when I got here, well, okay, let me back up. I studied urban planning in graduate school in my 30s. I went back to school and I had been doing audio production. I was kind of you know doing some reporter type stuff for public radio, but but I got really interested in urban planning and, and how planning around cars had kind of destroyed a lot of American cities. Absolutely. When I went in, I thought, well, if I don't end up going in urban planning, which I didn't, <laughs> I learned a lot about right. how cities work. So in studying urban planning, we heard tons, this is 20 years ago, we heard so much about this idyllic land of Portland, <laughs> which had solved all of its problems through urban planning and particularly through Metro, through creating a regional agency that allowed these great streetcars to be built and lots of transit-oriented development to get built. And it was just this idyllic place. Even then, I was very struck watching this one video about Portland that whenever they showed public participation, it was a sea of white faces. 
So anyway, it really struck me when I moved here how many people were so feeling so hopeless about Portland. Everyone was exhaust, understandably exhausted by the protests during Black Lives Matter and the and the the right wing protesters that that infiltrated and the right. the cops and and you know we all saw in the news what was what had gone on here. Even though I'm sure I know that they, you know, Fox News leap, leapt on that and turned it into a big thing. But between COVID and and the protests and the cops and and the homeless people that kind of that came in afterwards and really became such a huge issue with downtown and surrounding neighborhoods with the tents and everything. So I got here and it felt like everybody was like, I'm going to leave. Portland's over. And, and at first, having come from L.A., where the homeless problem is 20 times larger, yeah. uh, I looked around and I was like, there is so much potential still here. This yeah. is still such a great place. And feels like some economic recovery, some polish up, some investment is going to turn this place around. And so I feel very positive about Portland's possibilities and where it's going. So that excites me. Right on. Very cool. No, I appreciate that. And Kip, I wanted to say to you, another thing that really inspired me was your Occupy experience. I don't think Occupy gets enough credit for being the backdrop for Black Lives Matter and all the things that followed. Uh, the popularization of the idea of the 1%, mm -hmm. it, it, it just was, it changed everything in this culture in terms of a perspective of class. Yeah. No. Do, you, do you feel that? No, absolutely. I, I, I mean, Occupy even came out of uh, the initial protests in the Middle East, right? Uh, Arab Spring and such. Um, a little bit about me. Um, I grew up outside of New York City, the not so shiny Disney version of New York, but the uh, much more poverty stricken New York. And I went to a small college had a, a wanted to go into poli-sci and constitutional law and had a professor that set the stage for the reality of America, that it, you know, white saviorism is a problem. Please don't rush into things and say, oh, I'm the smart white guy, white guy has a college degree, go solve, I'll solve your problems. He was like, understand your communities, work with them, see how you can help be mindful of these things. And he really, really helped me understand the inequity of of existence in any large uh, city. And again, when I came to Portland, I'm like, wow, there's such incredible opportunity here. And when the Occupy movement hit, I knew it was something special. They're talking about inequity. And that is the root of the majority of our problems globally, especially in the United States. And there's opportunity here to get involved and figure out what my community needs. And that was six weeks of going to work, uh, eight to five, had, had a normal job, headed downtown and problem solving for people around the city and, and what they needed. And what I saw immediately was a community that wanted to help as many people as possible. Wound up having a bunch of unhoused people in the parks, I mentioned before, feeding them. We had a 24-hour medical tent where people who uh, suffered from overdoses and fights in the streets came to the medical tent to get help. It, it was an amazing example of community. And I saw 
brutally evicted one Sunday morning after Sam Adams said that wouldn't happen. And that put me back on my college track of, hell, I have to do things, right? Um, But what the Occupy movement did, as far as I look at it globally, is turn the conversation away from a lot of other things to that inequity issue. That the real challenge is that there's plenty of money and there's plenty of resources and there's no lack of wealth for everybody to live well, have housing, have good food to eat, clean water to drink, clean air. It is a matter of a handful of people making decision for everyone else that somebody doesn't deserve that or the wealth for them to be wealthy. Some people need to suffer. While probably can't solve that with a podcast, Portland, once again, is a city that I believe that you can solve that locally. We're not going to be able to solve a lot of our ethnic and racial disparities overnight. We're not going to solve a lot of the economic disparities overnight. But the fact that the unhoused problem exploded throughout the pandemic is because the uh, folks that were in the margins elsewhere came downtown because they were less likely to be disturbed. The problem's always been there. It grew worse throughout the pandemic. And now we're seeing the result of that, not just in Portland, but in every city across the United States. And if we don't solve for the people that are struggling the most amongst us, then We're not solving for anyone. We have to decide what kind of society we want to live in. And most of the people I know don't want to see people living in the streets, hungry, dirty, and without um, just shelter, basic things they need to live. So that's where all of this comes from. For me, uh, and being a technologist, uh, there's a lot of things we can do from a technology side to solve a lot of these problems too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's great opportunity, but we actually need a governing council that cares about these things more than they do instantiating themselves for a long period of royalty making. I'm going to keep going back to that. Yeah. Yeah. It's so well said. You got to the point about the pie problem where people act right in this country as if there's a limited amount of pie. Right. And we've been in, we've been taught that over the years that there has to be a certain number of people who live in poverty, uh, and that's just how the world works. Some people are going to live in poverty, and some people in extreme wealth. And as we know, that just doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be, and 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 it's it's a lie told to keep the folks that don't have so much to keep the people of less down further. The one, one, one thing that's really critical about the new charter reform is the representative districts. And I know that's not a unique concept for most other cities that have existed in the last 70 to 90 years or so, but it is for Portland. And there's this hyper focus on the viability of downtown Portland. And I would argue that a vibrant downtown Portland is a great thing to have, but what has been neglected, uh, the Ritz-Carlton is a great example of, you know, that permit never should have been 
approved and every building that goes up, they agree to build low cost housing and then decide not to and pay a minimal fine and wind up with their, you know, $1.8 million, 900 square foot condos. Anyway, I'm off track. The fact that we're going to be able to have three representatives per district be able to hold um, um, sessions with uh, the populace where they live, don't have to come to the Golden Palace of the downtown Portland City Hall, and hopefully argue for investment in their areas. We don't need to sink tens of millions of dollars into, well, we have a $7.4 billion budget for 2024. That's up from uh, $4.1 billion from 2017. So we're spending a lot more money. Let's spend it across Portland. Let's build up more neighborhoods. Let's make, make them livable. Let's put in grocery stores and make sure there's infrastructure, encourage businesses to have offices outside of downtown Portland. And we'll figure out what we can do with downtown Portland later on if we need to. But um, the idea that everything has to come from the center of the city outward is, I'm hoping, a thing of the past. And our ability to maybe address some of those things is starting next year, which I'm super freaking excited for. So that's a great note to end on. Thanks so much, Kip. I'm really excited to be working with you on this podcast and promoting candidates for 2024. Part of this whole thing is is basically kind of a recruitment process. We are looking for great people who can represent these different districts, these different viewpoints of Portland and get progressive change to happen. Yeah. Um, so we are here to support people, to interview people, to listen, to get these great ideas out there. Look to progressportland.org for more information and there'll be a ton of stuff there to hopefully inspire you and uh, get us all connected and if you're thinking of running reach out to us we want to talk to you look at our platform make sure you're aligned with it if you want to argue with us we might consider that but we don't really need to have more arguments we want to spend time on people who really want to do good things for the city and Thank you for your time and thank you, Tim. I appreciate you. Thanks, Kip. See you next time. Thank you for listening. This has been the Progress Portland Podcast. A shout out to our Tactical Civic Improvement Squad fellow members, Steve Pink, Judy Katz, and Travis McGee. Our theme music is The Acrobats by the Portland band Helvetia. Please join us next time. <laughs>